Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Thank you for joining us on this very special episode of the FMH InsureCast. FMH's podcast series for all things farm insurance. As you can see, what's special about this podcast here or video cast is that we're also on camera today. So if you're joining us via podcast, you're missing out on our handsome faces. So being a special episode, we, we today are going to discuss six things farmers might want to consider to better leverage their crop insurance in 2022. And before we go any farther, I should say, I again am Ryan Bennis. I'm kind of your quasi host of the FMH and Surcast. And I'm joined by Ken Ripley, who is uh, also works for Farmers Mutual Hale. Ken, reintroduce yourselves. I thought you've been on the podcast a few times. By yeah. Now. Thanks for having me back, Ryan. It's actually a pleasure to be back with you. Always enjoy having our discussions. Again, regional sales manager for Farmers Mutual Hale, hailing from the state of Minnesota. So, yes. Very nice. So, Today, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss again those six ways to le- better leverage our crop insurance. And frankly, some of these concepts you might be familiar with already and just looking at them in a new way. And then there's some other ones that you may not have heard of before. So we're going to jump in, Ken. And the beauty of having Ken here today is that Ken not only works for FMH, but he's also a farmer. So he has the, the perspective that we need to not only understand these concepts, but to apply them on our farm. And that's what really the value that Ken brings here. So looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Good. So the first one we have on our list is that there is actually a policy out there that you can use that allows you to buy three different pricing periods. So if you're familiar with a regular revenue protection policy, you know that it has both a spring and fall price, but there's actually a way to get three prices. And we're actually talking together here in August, and there is a policy out there called margin protection that has a sales closing date of 930. And you can buy margin protection with an RP policy, and it actually helps you get a third pricing period. So that third pricing period would be um, in the fall, mid-August through mid-September. You pick up your second one with the RP price, which is the spring price. And then the third one is a harvest price, which would be next fall. That would actually apply to both the margin policy and the revenue protection policy. So if you happen to hear this later in the year too, and it's after the sales closing date for margin, it's past uh, September 30th, there is another policy out there that works somewhat similar to margin. It's called ECO and it's also 95% coverage. So don't worry if you're listening to this later, you still have opportunities to buy that 95% coverage. But the real beauty of margin is that we get that third pricing period right now. So Ken, how do you look at margin protection? What does it look like for you to, when you're evaluating what you're gonna do, especially in 2000, well, we're looking at 22, uh, this is a high price environment right now, and you can grab a price, which on corn right now, we're averaging about 515, 520. What do you think? Yeah, so it's actually pretty exciting. A year ago, at the same time, you know, we were looking in the three dollar and eighty some cent range is where margin was coming in at. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a number that just overly excites you as a producer, but when we're in the fives, uh, there's definitely an opportunity to mm-hmm. leverage this. Um, as a producer, it's also hard to pull the trigger. Which way are you going to go? Are you happy with that price? Do you think it's going to move better? Nobody knows. I mean, right. this this trading month is going to be uh, discovery month is going to be a 
big portion to decide if this is the right one. But getting that third option for a price is a significant advantage of margin over the ECO policy you talked about, because that will have the same spring price as your RP policy. Right. So essentially, just to wrap that one up, either we're buying that third price now and we're taking advantage of it, or we're waiting till the spring. But just keep in mind that that's an opportunity that we we only have one time to to take advantage of once we get past September 30th. And we do have that ECO option, but um, definitely attractive looking in this year when we have higher prices. And by the time we get to February, who knows where we'll be. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So number two on our list, again, these are ways to leverage crop insurance better in 2022. Um, crop insurance, uh, we, we see it as a safety net, but it's not just a safety net. There's a lot more value into that. Um, and the first way we get more value out of our crop insurance policy, aside from just that safety net, just overall, um, it tends to be that premiums farmers pay in are less than the claim payments that go out. And that is basically it comes down to government subsidies. So the government subsidizes crop insurance. Um, various levels and various plans have different subsidies. But on average, the government subsidizes about 62% of our premium. So farmers are left to pay about 38%. Now, uh, there's a good reason why government subsidizes policies. One, they would be too expensive uh, without it, slash there would also be inadequate coverage. Farmers wouldn't be able to buy what they want to buy. It really comes down to food security. So when we have those big disaster losses out there, um, farmers are actually buying high enough levels of coverage that we can actually get recuperated for those losses at a level that doesn't put us out of business, right? But the value then is there for the producer as well. So they can confidently buy these products knowing that, hey, over time, this, this policy, this program is going to come out ahead for me. Um, not just when I have those losses, but over time, I'm, I'm coming out ahead. So um, can, what do you use when it comes to subsidies? How closely are you looking at those numbers? What plans are you looking at? Does it affect your decision at all about what you're choosing to buy? Absolutely. You know, like I mentioned in the introductions, I'm from Southern Minnesota, so I know I'm in an area that's rated pretty low compared to a lot of the nation, but I was just doing some math on my own. So for 2021 crop, my corn premium at an 80% level is just short of $13. But if I didn't have that subsidy, I'd be paying over $40 an acre. Um, you know, and then I know in some areas they're going to say, well, that's what I'm paying for the level I'm at already. Mm-hmm. Point being, now that $30 or, or you know, roughly $30 more in premium has a big impact on cash flow and that decision. You know, if you were to bump to an 85, it's going to be slightly different. But it, you know, it is critical what that does to cash flow and making sure because you know, even though I'm a lower rated area, definitely have uh, to keep that in mind as we look at cash flows in 2022. Uh, is definitely going to be a challenge for a lot of farmers as we look at cash flows. I know on our farm, I'm looking at over $80 an acre increase for the same level of fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So not having subsidies in crop insurance would be a, it would be a game changer for, for that portion. And I'll add in, I mean, because we have those subsidies um, and because producers are buying higher levels of coverage, it does tend to mean that we have less need for those ad hoc disaster uh, payments that go out to producers because they're getting recuperated from their crop insurance policy. Exactly. Okay. Number three in our list, um, MPCI or multiple crop insurance is commonly referred to as an act of God policy. And that's why 
That's the way I like to describe it. And the reason it's called an act of God policy is because it covers anything for us that would be in the category of any natural disaster, any naturally occurring loss, which includes if you have revenue protection, even declines in the price or increases for that matter. Um, but otherwise, whether it's volcanoes or tornadoes or frost or disease or some of the more common ones that we hear, um, all of those are covered under a crop insurance policy. Um, something I find interesting is there are a couple of very common exclusions, one being a combine fire, which is not considered natural, another one being chemical drift, which has probably been a hotter topic as of late. Very hot topic. Very hot year. topic. No pun intended there. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially those two, we actually have ways in the policy that we can help mitigate those losses, but essentially they're not covered under the multi-peril policy. Um, something else I find interesting when I go out and talk to producers, I often ask them, okay, um, we're talking about a risk management plan. What are the losses that you actually face? And what I find interesting is I don't know that producers really understand all the time what kind of losses that they're facing. So I'll get a lot of answers about hail, a lot of answers about wind, even frost, disease. Well, the top three causes of loss are too much rain, too little rain, or declines in the price. In fact, that makes up about 70% of our losses paid and claim payments come from those three losses. And actually, here's an interesting fact for you, Ken. From 2016 through 2020, 50% of the total losses across the nation, 50% came from too much moisture. Mm -hmm. Basically, 2019 leading the charge there with all those prevent plant acres. That was a lot of dollars that went out the door because we had too much rain. So my question to you, Ken, is armed with a little bit more information about where your losses come from, which no doubt is a little bit regionalized. What are some of the considerations you're making with your risk management plan when it comes to what's covered under the multi-parallel policy, what's not, and what those losses are? Yeah, great question. So from our operation, you've nailed it on the head. Our two biggest issues in the past have been too much moisture. Excess moisture is always my number one risk. Uh, except for it seems like 2021, uh, we're on the lighter side, uh, but uh, also price decline. Those are the two biggest things that impact my farm. And for that reason, I'm historically buying a higher level of coverage. Uh, I've also bought our ramp products in the past just to, to cover those perils. You know, thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't had a lot of hail or wind issues in my, my local area, but I know those are a big impact in other parts of the country. So um, you're absolutely right. That does drive my decision. What are my perils? What do we need to cover and what products best fit those needs? Oh, that's excellent information. Thank you, Ken. Okay, moving on to number four here. Um, kind of brushed on this on the second one, but the value of your crop insurance policy goes beyond claim payments. And I would say most producers probably have an idea what I'm talking about here, but there's a few points um, that I'll hit here. So number one would just be simply help with financing. So when we are having that conversation with the banker about an operating loan, that might be a question that comes up, not just do you have crop insurance, but what levels do you take and what other supplemental products do you have? Um, the second point being, and this is, I think, the biggest one, is the confidence to market throughout the crop year. So when I guarantee myself a certain amount of bushels, whether it be through a, a yield or a revenue policy, I know that I have a certain percentage or certain portion of my APH that's guaranteed to me that I can go out and market freely because. If I happen to have a loss on that crop and I have lost bushels in that zone of the level that I have, 
I'm going to re get recuperated from my policy with a revenue policy. I'm going to get recuperated at the higher of the spring or fall price. And so if I've made some marketing sales throughout the year and all of a sudden I'm not able to fulfill those contracts, my crop insurance policy is going to assist me in either um, recuperating those lost dollars or actually giving me money to go out and fulfill those contracts, one of the two. So, Ken, um, how do you, on your own operation, leverage crop insurance, whether it be for financing or whether it be for uh, marketing? Yeah, so great question. Actually, you know, looking back over my career um, as a farmer, you know, what's interesting is when I first started out, I never realized how important crop insurance was, you know, um, both from a marketing standpoint, like you mentioned, having that safety net to, to market, but from a lending standpoint, usually when you're starting out, you're not heavy on assets. You're not very liquid in your operation. Sure. Having a, if I didn't have crop insurance, I'd have to be an asset-based lender. Hmm. Uh, there's no way you can do that starting out. Farming is so capital intensive that you have to have that safety net. And, and from a, working with my banker, I know, you know, they need these tools to make it options. So to keep farming going from generation to generation, that's a thing that I think we overlook a lot is how important not having to be all asset-based financing for our, our next generation of farmers. And I, you know, wasn't that many years ago, I was in that category. Now I'm more worried about uh, uh, selling that grain, having confidence, just pulling the trigger. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure. like every farmer, it's hard to pull the trigger, but that safety net's there. And we got to forget about the emotions of the sales. As, as we sometimes put it on the on the crop insurance sales side of things, if you haven't sold any grain, your first sale can always be your crop insurance policy, right? right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's through margin protection, which we mentioned, or just a revenue plan in, in the spring, yeah. either one of those are great places to start. Um, okay, number five, we have uh, that you can use precision data to report acres, mm -hmm. production, complete claims, and even audits. Um, so just a few tidbits on that. This is often uh, going to reduce your premium and even increase your APH. And some people might ask, well, how's that happen? Well, when we're reporting acres to FSA, our precision acres, excuse me, when reporting acres are traditionally to FSA, those acres are commonly higher than what our actual planted acres are. So when we're leveraging that precision data, Typically, our planted acres are less than what FSA says, which means we're paying on fewer acres, so we're reducing our premium. And when we're actually getting to production time, we're taking the same amount of bushels and dividing them by fewer acres, which helps increase our APH over time. So in addition to that, that's really the acres side of things. We can also use precision data for uh, reporting production, completing claims, and audits. And while those don't have those tangible, um, you know, uh, money or increase to our APH, the more intangible is time. Uh, and it does save us a lot of time in those, in those transactions with production claims and audits. So on your operation, Ken, I know you've used production debt. You might be the person using it the longest uh, in yeah. the nation. So yeah. go ahead and tell me a little bit about what you use precision. Yeah. For. So officially for crop insurance, I've been using precision from all standpoints back to all the way back to 2011, the first year. And we actually were uh, using it, you know, in some shape and form prior to that, but where it was my complete source, both for my acreage reporting, my production reporting, uh, my claims, and then obviously being an insurance policy holder and an employee, um, 
I'm in an audit situation. All my audits have all been done using my precision records. And I can tell you, going back to your point about time, I can't imagine trying to do all that without the ease of what precision brings for me. So I'm I'm in hook, line, and sinker and have been since 2011. We haven't measured a bend on our farm since 2011. To do you tell even you. remember how much they hold? Oh, I know how much they <laughs> hold, but we haven't. We've, we've never had somebody physically climb them go. and verify because I'm so confident in the process we use to make sure that we, we're getting the right bushels out of our operations. So I, I love precision and it's made my life as a farmer a lot easier. Great, great information. Okay, last one here, folks. And thank you for hanging with us. This is a new format for us. So we're hoping that this, uh, this isn't too offensive for you to look at our faces here. But number six, you have choices. Okay, so when it comes to crop insurance, you have choices. And I'm not just talking about all the different products out there. I'm talking about the company that you work with as well. So uh, commonly known, or maybe not so, that RMA or the government, RMA is the risk management agency. They make the rules, they make the, the rates, they do all of that. And then there's 14 different AIPs or approved insurance providers that are authorized to sell the products that RMA makes the rules and rates for. Now, that being said, you may think, well, they're all the same price. It doesn't really matter where I do business with. What there is big differences between AIPs. Um, obviously, one is private products. So we have federal products that are subsidized by the government, but each AIP also offers private products such as hail, wind, pricing products, replant, et cetera. So we all compete on those, not just with rate or with those coverages, but with the service that comes with it. Another difference between some AIPs is that uh, FMH, for instance, we're wholly owned in the United States and we're a mutual company. Um, many of the other AIPs are actually owned by larger reinsurance companies overseas. And I think that certainly makes a difference to some producers about where they would like to place their business. Um, lastly, um, Ken, what should farmers consider when they're looking at a, a company to work with? I know oftentimes you're going to your hometown agent. They may have one or two companies to choose from. If you're walking into an office and you haven't bought crop insurance before, or if you've worked with an agent for a long time and you know you're not satisfied with what's happening with your current company, what would you what would you be considering? What would you be hoping for in a company? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about Farmers Mutual is the longevity of the company. We just have, we're in our 128th year. There. I mean, there's nobody that matches that. Um, our founder was a farmer. I mean, W.A. Rutledge was a farmer uh, before starting FMH. So a mutual held company, but also critical things like good adjusting staff, um, knowledgeable employees, things like that, which I can tell you FMH definitely has. But for me, the core is longevity. The company has been here for 100 plus, 128 years and we look for a lot more years to come. So I'm excited to see the 150th, 200th year of FMH. I'm going to make 150. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make 200. I, don't, I won't either. Yeah. Well, Ken, thank you very much for joining me. Really appreciate your perspective. And thank you all for joining us here today. Um, just a quick plug. We'll be uh, actually publishing in Surecast on some of our major podcasting platforms. So once we have that out there, please be sure to subscribe to the FMH InsureCast and, uh, and feel free to share us with uh, not only your friend agents, but your, your customers as well, farmers and, and fellow farmers. We really appreciate your time and have a great day. 
You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.